You're now listening to J House Podcast Radio in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. What's up? What's up, man? Living the dream. How about you? Same, bro. Dad life is no joke. It's right. not a game. Not a game. Ah, <laughs> uh, takes a lot of time. Heck yeah. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to another edition of J House Podcast Radio. I'm your host, Eric Houston. Uh, Join here today again. Uh, very special guest. Awesome uh, friend in the Vero community, Lord Smarmy Pants, yet again. Welcome to the show, bro. Thanks for joining me, man. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Uh, I always enjoy coming on here and talking with you. Yeah, man. Thank you, bro. Thank you. Sorry if you, in advance, sorry if you hear any baby noises. My son is sitting right here in my lap. I'm having to, like, do all of, like, multitask, recorded a whole YouTube video with him in my lap. Thankfully, he was quiet, though. And, uh, <laughs> no worries, yeah. bro. No worries. Yeah, it's crazy, man. But um, but how you doing, bro? How you been? Oh man, real well. As I told you, uh, I got I got the COVID, so I spent my quarantine time watching all the Star Wars in order. Yeah, yeah sorry to hear that, man. Sorry to hear that. Oh, it's not good. Um, my whole family got it. We're all better now. But uh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, That's yeah. Good to hear. Yeah. So, so the whole nine, the whole fireworks, the whole shebang. All yeah, Star Wars, except for the new trilogy. I'm not. I don't. I don't watch that drivel. Yeah, I think. I think. I figure that. I figure that. <laughs> you're. You're a man. You're a man of culture. You're a man of class. Taste. Uh, Taste. Yeah. Say. No, and so I figured. Oh, I want to talk about that because I heard you. Uh, you and uh, your two. He's on here talking about Star Wars a few episodes ago. So I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I like that idea. Yeah, we. Yeah, we had to. Um, it's been a lot because, like, stati- like even though last year was a a sort of crazy year mm-hmm. um, for everyone, it was still a great year for Star Wars. Um, we got to see a lot happen. We got to see, um, you know, of course, Mandalorian being awesome. Right. You know, Ahsoka being in live action, Boba Fett's return, and then right when you didn't think it could get any better. You know, they put Luke in there. I know. And it's like this sort of, I was like, whoa, you know what I'm saying? And then on well, top yeah, of that, and it's, it yeah. was the culmination of like the whole universe finally coming together. And like, yeah, that's important, especially George Lucas, like Luke Skywalker is the symbol of hope in his entire universe, his whole story. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why George Lucas is coming back to Disney because Kathleen Kennedy kind of like shit all over that. She took everything that George Lucas ever believed in his whole vision and made episode eight and she just shit over all of it. Yeah. And, she uh, really did. yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's why he doesn't like her. Any- and here's the thing. Like, it's not like she's some random executive. She worked directly for George Lucas for 30 fucking years. She knew exactly how much of a betrayal and a backstab that would be to George. 
And that's yeah. the reason why he doesn't like her anymore. So yeah. like, she's a shady bitch. Like, sorry, but fuck that. If you work for a dude for 30 years and you know what he stands for, what his art means, and the central like tenet that all the universe of Star Wars stands on is that Luke Skywalker means hope. And yeah. he shit on that. Like that that was very intentional. You don't work with a guy for 30 years and then shit over everything. And then dude, leaves yeah. Him. Yeah, that was personal. What was sad about it, I think, was the fact that he did write a story treatment because mm-hmm. you know, she she went with this whole forces female thing and blah blah blah. Right. You know what I'm saying? And and all my ladies out there, that's not a downplay on having strong female characters. It's really just how you present it. Yeah. The fact oh, yeah. that he the fact that he wrote a sequel treatment and created Ray as the lead character mm-hmm. well, is see, even all one the thing is, is Ray okay when George Lucas started episode four back 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 in 76 his main character was female yeah and then he changed it to Luke to be male after a few drafts so it was really him going back to his roots to bring back the main female character. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't uh, even know that. Oh, I did. I have, uh, cause I, I have, um, they're not original artworks, but they're, they're, um, I mean, they're collector pieces. They're stills of Ralph McQuarrie's artwork from the seventies, which they used to pitch star Wars to uh 20th century Fox. And so I have those. And in those, those original yeah. pitches, um, the main mm. character who ended up becoming Luke was actually a girl. Wow. And what he did was he ended up separating Luke into two characters, Luke and Leia. Yeah. And yeah, so on and so forth. But yeah, no, no, no. So like, I do like that they originally with the, the concept of Ray were going into honoring the origins of the Star Wars mythos itself. But yeah. I think, J.J. Abrams is the worst guy you ever want to put in charge of anything ever in Hollywood if you want yeah. originality and plot and character development. He's great at, like, uh, I'm going to say bastardizing everything that came before, which is what any creative does. Nobody has an original thought anymore. Everything copies from everything. But, like, yeah, J.J. Abrams is just really not, not the guy... I mean, for Star Wars. I, John Favreau and Dave Filoni, I'm so glad they're kind yeah. of leading that charge now. Yeah. And the, the crazy thing about that is that I absolutely enjoyed everything J.J. did with Star Trek. But when it came down to Star Wars, it was like, you guys have all this vast extended universe material. You have all of this stuff and you did nothing with it. Right. And And I was like, you know, and as far and leading back to like Kathleen Kennedy, you know what I'm saying? The fact that the guy gave you a story treatment for a female character, because like we just we just saw it happen last year before our eyes. We just saw Ahsoka's arc come full circle. Mm-hmm. We've seen her from when she was just a Padawan. You know, I just it brought so much nostalgia the other day watching the Clone Wars. Oh movie. man, yeah. Like, yeah, actually, I'm assigned to Master Skywalker, and he's like, wait a minute. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's so much nostalgia. Like, that's where you started at, mm-hmm. at the beginning of the Clone Wars, and then now you, you know, we have development with her. We have history oh, I know. With, with Ahsoka. Yeah, it's so deep, and it's, 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 yeah, uh, 
that's one thing. And I, I'm so glad that Dave Filoni was involved in, in running the Clone Wars before the full takeover of Disney, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like the, the, the mythology, the, the vision of hope in, in a universe where everything's in disarray, like, yeah, that, that was, that, that was the central message of Star Wars is hope. Yeah. Like hope. And if you take that away and, and, I don't know. Turn, what they did with the new turn. trilogy was they kind of just turned it on its head, and they they didn't do it for the purpose of fulfilling any character arcs or advancing the plot. The purpose yeah. that they did with like episode episode seven was just like really like a fanfic. I, I really just it was a fan fiction, like big big rehash. Yeah, slash fan it was kind of like a. a high five to George Lucas. Hey, you did great, but we can't continue on because we have no idea of how to do it ourselves. And then with eight, it was, we're going to smash and destroy everything that came before it. In an attempt to be doing it. Like, yeah, Yeah. for the sake of doing it. And you had like, you had like 15 random turns in the plot. And it's like, uh, who is Poe, Poe Dameron, that guy. Right. He should have been fucking executed. (laughs) <laughs> you do not become a traitor and then 20 minutes later well even though he pulled his guns on us and and blah 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 blah, we're gonna be like oh well he's young and learned no you do that shit you be you're executed they will shoot you between your fucking eyes i don't care if you work for the empire or the rebels or the like yeah. you do that in any military you're gonna get shot by firing squad rightfully oh, so and he should be. And all of a sudden, he's like the the star puppet again in the the next movie. Get the hell out of here! Yeah. And this this is Poe we're talking about. Yeah, right? Poe Dameron. When when he yeah. yeah, I'm like man, that's that's called that's called traitor. That's called like treason. Like you 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 get executed for treason. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter if you're the leader of that country. If they find out you've been working with the enemy to destroy your own nation you're you're and anyone in power finds out they're gonna kill you was it finn or poe it was poe are we talking so and here's the thing about finn i loved the character of finn the in in episode seven it had so much potential and i think a lot of people a lot of my friends contemporaries veterans marines whatever will agree with that. Like he had so much phenomenal potential. You took the 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 greatest bad guy in all of fictional and movie history is Darth Vader. And stormtroopers yeah. are his little like pawns. And so the, yeah. the, the greatest military, evil military idea is a stormtrooper working for the Empire. And to have a stormtrooper turn around and be like, no, I'm not gonna do this. I'm gonna join the other side. Like Yeah. I'm sure this is probably going to piss a lot of people off, but honestly, that's how I feel about my service. I went in the military for 14 years working for America, yeah. which allegedly likes to export democracy. And sometimes they overthrow democratic states and install dictators. And yeah. it's not ever um, consistent with who mm-hmm. we support and who we really don't. It It, it goes by the whims of, who's in a white house and yeah. who is running the CIA at the time. 
And there's a CIA yeah. white letter where they allow the CIA to overthrow certain governments and whatnot. And anyways, it, it goes into this giant imperial project of the United States of America. And yeah. I fought in two wars. And I'm kind of asked for what? If you ask people in the what? Middle East, yeah. like who, who the, the best leader in the Middle East was, not every time, but I'm going to say seven out of ten times, people are going to say Saddam Hussein. Mm. He wasn't a nice guy, That's crazy. but he kept that shit stable. And, you know, who who is anyone who doesn't live in the Middle East that, that argues with that? I just got to say, like, I know enough Middle Eastern people that truly believe that, that I believe it too. We overthrew yeah. a, a stable dictator. And what happened? You had, you had Al-Qaeda and ISIS take over Iraq after that. Maybe there's a reason yeah. he, he, he was respected enough in power. Dang. And so, That's... like, that war, what the fuck was it for? Yeah. Oil, we always joke about, which is probably the truth. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, we're sitting here it... deciding the fate of other nation states without the consent of those people. We're the fucking empire, man. And I was a fucking stormtrooper. And to see yeah. Finn turn his back on that shit and go and join the right side. It was really, really awesome, but it was a, a thread they didn't carry through with. And I'm, I, I blame racism for that. I really do. I think uh, yeah. Disney is very cowardly for, for calling out any type of negative bigotry like that. Like they're weird, weird on it. They embrace some SJW thing, but with episode eight, but then they took Finn who had a great concept and they turned him into a fucking joke. Yeah. And he's the only character they did that with. It's, it's kind of like they did to, they did to his, his character. I feel like the shit that they did to him on the set of episode eight is no different than the shit Jeff Johns did to Ray Fisher on the set of justice league. No, different. yeah. And, uh, I believe that, I strongly believe there's a there's a big strain of, of racist thought in Hollywood where they don't let especially black men rise above in these stories. And and you yeah. can see it played out over and over and over again. And it's always by these so called woke motherfuckers that <laughs> you know, Joss Whedon, give me a break. Woke. Yeah. Woke. I mean like and and check this out. What and no one's gonna dispute that because number one, you were boots on the ground. You know what I'm saying? No one can dispute that. No civilian. No one can dispute that because you you've been through it. You've been over there twice. You know what I'm four saying? Times. And four times. I'm sorry. And it's um, all good. And, and yeah, you know what I'm saying? That's why, like, when it comes, especially when it comes down to, because George Lucas described it in an interview with James Cameron. He's like, when I was talking about the Empire versus the Rebels, it was the United States versus the Viet Cong. You know what I'm saying? It was underground fighters versus mm -hmm. the United States trying to install democracy. And, you know, a lot of people never notice it. But then, like, when you mention, you know, what did we fight that war for? 
you know, I start thinking a lot of, I, th- I start thinking a lot about the Clone Wars. I start thinking about the military troops, you know, because, you know, at the head of this whole thing, you know, executives, politicians, you know, a Palpatine type uh-huh. figure, if you may, you know, is they're doing these things for their own motivation and then we're dressing it up and, you know, but we're doing it for the country. And then, you know, you talk about, if you're talking in real world world terms, you know, we're talking loss of life in the thousands, loss of life in the millions, not only of our own people, but of others, others as well. Um, If it's for the wrong purpose, when you talk about the clone wars, it's amplified times a trillion because it's a three year destructive war across the whole galaxy that costs billions of people's lives and destruction all across the galaxy. And then at the end of it, you know, order 66, these clones can't control what happens to them because the microchip and then at the end of it, you're left asking, well, what the heck was that for? What did we just go through three years of, of, of that for, you know what I'm saying? And that's what makes it all the more heartbreaking. So, and when it comes to politics, man, I totally like, I, I'm questioning everything now. I'm questioning so much because I'm like, who's telling the truth? Who's lying? You know what I'm saying? Like, right. What? And, well, I mean, it's a problem. Like fake, fake news yeah. travels six times faster than real news on social mm-hmm. media and through all the different avenues of the internet. Six times faster. Yeah. You can't combat fake news with real news because nobody's going to share real news. It's boring. It's right. technical. It makes things reasonable and makes sense. But people want to. It's not entertaining. Right, it's not entertaining. <laughs> people want to run high on their emotions. And, and have an emotional and alleged moral uh, superiority over everyone else. But it's because they're living in a bubble and they get all their information from these shitty sources. And then they get reinforced yeah. from people who are also getting the same information. And right. uh, I don't know if there's a way to combat that, really. Um I'll say I think I think social media will be the downfall and destruction of democracy worldwide. Totally believe that. Yeah. I got I got this question yeah. for you. I w- I was talking about this aspect of like the way the Star Wars time, and this is in relation to what you just said concerning social media and and destruction of democracy. You know, and America, this being this empire, social media, especially being this empire, I talked about with my other co-host how every Star Wars timeline, when you look at it in books, talks about um, BBY before the Battle of Yavin and um, how, you know, whether it's the Clone Wars, you know what I'm saying, or whether it's whatever the case may be before the Battle of Yavin. There's so much that's happened to so many different people that has led up to, you know, even Rogue yeah. One that has led up to this colossal event that is the Battle of Yavin. But the severity of it, of, you know, the severity of trying to find a weakness in the Empire, the severity of, you know, the scale of going against this Empire, you know, is kind of scary and then to pull it off for Luke, I mean, that's crazy. So, like, in relation to what you were saying, it's like, because just a few days ago, I mean, they, they banned Trump. And this is for any, whoever, whatever side you take, Republican, Democrat, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of which side you take, 
social media, they just silenced the president. They just, you know, even though he put out a message saying, don't riot, respect the police officers, go home, they still did it anyway. And the media didn't think twice to use that narrative against him and and push him off all social media apps. And I'm like, that was censorship. Right. And so well, here's, a lot here's of the thing. Here's the funny thing for me. Anybody who, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> I know so many people, especially conservative folk, who will complain about that. But the problem is, is y'all motherfuckers didn't have a problem with it before this. Like, they, they're like, all these people, like, don't tread on me. That's great. But you, you pull that yeah. shit for your government. And you're like, I won't be oppressed by my government. But I will accept and bring all the oppression upon myself from these corporations. Like, get the fuck. Yeah. Sorry. Like, y'all, y'all. <laughs> no, yeah, keep it real. Like, keep it real, bro. Like that, that, is, that is how it works nowadays. It's, we live in this dystopian future, this dystopian reality. We don't have to fear our government. We know our governments are powerless to do shit to us right now. It's the corporations yeah. that are the problem. They own and control the government, and they can fuck us over a hundred different ways, and there's nothing anyone can do about it. So yeah, uh, I, I totally believe social media should be fully regulated. And I've always been an advocate yeah. of that. I think Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey both deserve the nicest, most poshest prison cell in the United States. I believe because, I believe that too. It it would it would be our battle yeah. Yavin to yeah. get that done. But they, they deserve it. I'm sorry, but they have subverted and destroyed since since the advent of social media, um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Google. It's mostly Facebook and Google. Uh, but mm-hmm. more democracies than have succeeded. Like than than in, in previous time frame in history. You you look at the the, the amount Turkey, the, the nation of Turkey, which was a secular democracy, is now a theocratic dictatorship, mm. and still a member of the United Nations. Yeah. Even shut up, Google. Um, yeah. Uh, and 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 Turkey's not the exception to the rule. It's just one of the many rules. So you look at the. The UN itself is a joke now. The UN Human Rights Council is headed by Saudi Arabia and China, the two biggest violators of human rights on the freaking globe. Like it's all a joke now. Every that whole international body is a joke. It's it's a farce, and it is a way for dictators and dictatorial states to promote the appearance of like progressive democracy while crushing dissent and destroying free speech and free expression in their own nations and killing the people who try to actually stand up for that. So I don't know, man, as, as the empire, I feel like the Republic is crumbling in the United States and you brought up how George Lucas with the original trilogy was discussing the U S and Viet Cong. And that was kind of the big thing. And he based stormtroopers off of, the, the World War One shock troops, the German shock troops, and so on yeah. and so forth. And then the Nazi-esque thing of Vader, blah, blah, blah. When he made the right. original, not the original, the prequel trilogy in 99, 02, and 05. Um, mm. That I was, I, I graduated high school in 2001. So I remember going to the theaters and watching all these and reading the, 
the uh, interviews with George Lucas. And yeah. in 2005, with the final one, Revenge of the Sith, that was um, with well, episode two and three. He, he made it as a warning call, and he said this because of the, the creation of the Department of Homeland Security and the authoritarian impulses of the George W. Bush administration. And yeah. it's just the same theme he had in the original trilogy 20, 25 years later for the prequel trilogy. And then you've got to wonder what he had set up for 7, 8, and 9 because he wrote scripts out for that. And it was supposed to be a right. story of the father – the children, and then the grandchildren. And yeah. it was supposed to go from, you have the macro, which was in the prequel trilogy, you got to see so much, and then you got to see the individual, the yeah. personal, and he was going to go into the micro with the third trilogy. Yeah. In, yeah. in utilizing midichlorians and, and going into more mythological depth with that. And so I was really, I would love to see that. Yeah. But uh, I, I would have, I would have loved to see that too. And it's and it's because like you like the way you highlighted with the original trilogy talking about the Empire, you know, the Viet Cong. I think that with the prequels, George, I think that's his most deepest work from a philosophical standpoint, because like I'm looking at some of the aspects of it and what it's taken from with the prequel trilogy. We're talking about the Clone mm -hmm. Wars, you know, reflective of that modern day, the wars that we were in. You know what I'm saying? And you know, then it sort of gets into this end times biblical type of, type of ordeal for me, you know, like, you know, Palpatine being this antichrist figure, you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? The chips implanted in the clones, Mark of the Beast, Order 66, 666 type deal, just like really like spooked me the hell out mm -hmm. when I thought about it. And I'm like, oh, my God, George is a freaking genius. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it, I, I, I... I I grew up watching the original trilogy, and I always loved it. And when I f finally got the prequel trilogy, I was an adult when it came out. Um, yeah, it was not what I wanted or expected. But as mm. I've grown older, I have liked it and loved it more and more. And it has become it has resonated. the 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 more The older it gets, the more it's resonated with me. Um, yeah, And it's great. I still think there's so much mythology in the original trilogy, too, I, that, that the prequel trilogy has to pull from. Uh, for example, yeah. uh, I remember you said, like, it's, it's so much like with our meme culture, the prequel trilogy gives people the ability to express it better. Like with uh, Obi-Wan's yeah. Hello There. And I think yeah. that was supposed to be a joke. Uh, like a, a running thing between Grievous and Obi-Wan, because I'm pretty sure there's a line and it's probably in some deleted scene that's never been published where Grievous says hello there. That's, yeah. that's actually going back to the original trilogy. Because if you watch yeah. episode four, the very first line Obi-Wan Kenobi says is hello there. And a lot yeah. of people don't catch that, but they catch it in the prequels, but it's his first line. It's the first line Obi-Wan Kenobi ever mentions in the first movie yeah. is hello there when he's talking to R2. So like, I do love yeah. that it goes back on itself. Um, like, and it pulls from yeah. its own universe to, to, to create these great pop culture things as well as these great um, mythological concepts. And like what you were talking about with like the execute order 66 and 666 and whatnot. He, yeah. He's pulling yeah. a lot of, a lot of 
information from his own, I guess, religious persuasion, which is, yeah, he's actually a, a Buddhist Christian, which he bases yeah. the, the Jedi religion on. Shows in, shows heavily in Yoda's perception. Yeah, 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 and and so like I can really appreciate the the artistry with it. Like even Endor, uh, you know, Endor was an ancient biblical city. Yeah, yeah. and so that's of course the planet in the sixth movie. Yeah, it's it it doesn't. I don't like the reflection between it is like okay, episodes one, two, and three. You've had your, you know three-year tribulation or however much it is and the mark of the beast and everything right. but then well, with the original from episode trilogy, one to Luke, episode two there's a 10-year gap and from yeah. two to three there's like a seven-year gap so damn that's almost like seven yeah so years. it's it's yeah it's kind of interesting and then from and then yeah from and then from there with three the original trip or there's 20-year gap yeah from three to four that's 20 and then luke begins to be like he he comes off as this sort of embodiment of like the return of god you know yeah i was gonna say it's a very messianic prophecy (laughs) it's like yeah it's based on a messianic prophecy almost yeah yeah return and i don't know if anyone else notices this but like i know a lot of people put stock in the empire strikes back because it's this classic you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying it was one of the best sequels ever made you know the i'm your father iconic line but sometimes i feel like so many people like get so caught up in that that they forget the true meaning by the time return of the jedi rolls around i think that that final battle between luke and vader that music the mm-hmm. mood of it was like really that embodiment of like this is like the final battle between like heaven and earth heaven and hell right. you know what i'm saying this is for all the marbles this is for you know after order 66 this is for all the people in the clone wars that died this is for you know the death star this is for the whole thing and i'm like it's this sort of very revelation like sort of battle and it's 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 crazy yeah um i had a thought but i totally lost it no, uh, I. The thing for me with the, I don't know if I have a favorite Star Wars thing because it's one giant story. Like if you just pick one yeah. piece out of it and say, and when it was just a trilogy with the original trilogy, yeah, The Empire Strikes Back was my favorite. It was one of those movies, like mm. especially if you go into it. I mean, everyone knows now, but when you first go into it, if you sat there, it's it drains you emotionally, physically, like going into that movie yeah. um and one of the reasons yeah. i think it's so iconic is that it shouldn't have worked by all hollywood metrics yeah. it should not have worked he had the big battle at the very beginning opening scene opening mm-hmm. sequence the huge battle and the good guys lose and then the good guys run yeah. and no matter what happens the good guys just freaking lose and yeah. they just lose the whole time. And then at the very end of it, it's not a huge battle. It's one guy dominating, Vader, and he's just destroying Luke, cuts his hand off, and then makes the big reveal. Like, it, yeah. I'm... Goes against all the stereotypes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of threw the stereotype of a sequel on its head. And it, I'm pretty, it did not make as much money as the original Star Wars movie. Uh, and I'm pretty yeah. sure if if we had had like 
Twitter back then, it would have been just destroyed by the moron critics on Twitter. Oh yeah, they would have they would have tore Empire Strikes yeah. Back up in this if it was released yeah. today. So, That's so stupid, my guy. Why would they say he's his father? That just ruins the whole plot. They should have saved it for right. the last. Right, they would have. That, that's exactly how, that's so, so, how that shit would have gone. And so, um, <laughs> I think it's iconic because of of how it was put together and how it kind of threw Hollywood on its side, like, hey, we, we did a movie yeah. the opposite of the way it's supposed to happen, and it's become a cult yeah. classic. And then, of course, when you end it with yeah. Return of the Jedi, um, Return of the Jedi is phenomenal. Uh, I, mm-hmm. eh, I wish, because originally George Lucas wanted to have Return of the Jedi happen on Kashyyyk, the Wookiee home, yeah. and uh, he didn't have the technology to do it at the time. That was the reason he originally wrote yeah. this story. It was one trilogy, but it was the prequels, yeah. the regular, the you know, the the middle story, which is the original trilogy, and then the last one. And then he yeah. had to break each individual part of the story up into three more parts. And the only one he had technology yeah. to do at the time was the middle trilogy. And so instead yeah. of having Wookiees on Kashyyyk, he cut the Wookiees in half and called them Ewoks. Oh man! Right, because it's it's a, it's an, an anagram or whatever. It's yeah. He just changed the wording of Wookie Ewok, and yeah, made yeah. little deadly teddy bears. I guess you could say <laughs> that is the one. That is the one thing people tend to like not necessarily like about Return of the Jedi. And I'm like, okay. And the thing I, is, I, I get that, that to a point, but also like it also makes people. I think it's reflective. Like, if you see this small teddy bear, it might have a little, or whatever, a little Ewok, has its own language, culture, people, blah, blah, blah. No one's intimidated yeah. by that shit. But you know what? You just, you never know. Um, you never know yeah. how badass some people are. I, I take Afghanistan, and I'm going to compare Afghanistan to, to the Ewoks on the indoor, I guess. Afghanistan has never been defeated in war in all of recorded history. Not once. They defeated the Roman Empire. They defeated every invader. They defeated the Russians. And they are defeating the United States right now. Afghanistan is the most diverse country on the face of the planet. And it has never been defeated in any war ever. Damn. But people don't know that. It sort of it sort of makes you feel like as as the way like the Republic sort of like had to run that narrative of what happened, what's happening in the war. You know, it it sort of makes you feel like these past as a civilian, especially for the past 15, 20 years, we're looking at Afghanistan through the eyes of American media. You know what I'm saying? But what's really, how is it really over there on the other side of the world? You know, in their country, how is it See, really? This you is, you know, I don't. Af- the United States is the wealthiest country in the history of the world. Afghanistan is the poorest country on the face of the planet. The The average yeah. family there makes $1,000 a year. $1,000. And I'm talking uh, opium farmers, $1,000 a year. They're not getting. Crazy rich off this shit. They sell their opium. 
And then it goes through all these different drug trades, different cartels, different organizations. Those are the people making money. Yeah. But the, the average people, like I said, $1,000 a year. Can you imagine what it's like to live on $1,000 a year? And that's why it's so easy for, for the Taliban, which I want to – the Taliban is not a terrorist organization. It never was. Al-Qaeda was the terrorist organization. The Taliban – are a far-right political party in at least Afghanistan, but in different parts of, I don't want to call that the Middle East. That's really not technically the Middle East area. But they're, they're a legitimate political party. However, some members of Al-Qaeda were Taliban, but not all Taliban were Al-Qaeda. Uh... So, right? So you had terrorists from Al-Qaeda in the political movement, in the political party, but not all the members of the Taliban were happy yeah. about it, and not all of them liked Al Qaeda, which is why you know oh. us making moves with the Taliban and, and negotiations. I always say is a good thing. It would be no different than you know some conservative political. They're a conservative political party. I was wondering um, why the hell well, Drake was scream was uh, screaming Taliban and jump man. I'm like, why would you say Taliban? What is that? But uh, but now now yeah. like, okay so yeah, and that's the thing is a lot of Americans get the misnomer or the misperception that the Taliban are a terrorist organization. Yeah. They're not. They're a political organization. Yeah. And for the last ten or fifteen years, they were. I'm going to say to a certain degree, they were happy about the invasion of Afghanistan because it helped them push Al Qaeda out of the ranks of the Taliban. So it was both good and bad. But at the end of the day, if, if, if you still have terrorists over there, which of course we do, I mean, because they're, they're not from Afghanistan. If that's where the war is, all these people who are part of terror organizations, they're going to travel to where the combat is because they want to help take on the empire. Yeah whether their means are, are moral or ethical or not. Yeah. But, um, and it's easy to go to a place like Afghanistan. That's why it's, it's kind of the front line of this fake-ass war on terror. Yeah. Because for $500, they can hire somebody to dig a hole. And for another $500, hire somebody to drop a bomb in the hole and run a wire like a few hundred meters away wow. hooked up to that bomb. Wow. So... Like, these aren't terrorists that are doing the, the, the terrorist acts, putting in IEDs on the roads and shit. These are normal Afghans. You're offering them six months' salary to do an hour job. If someone came to me, <coughs> where I live now, yeah, to get that same equivalent, you'd have to offer someone $11,000. Would you go and dig a hole for eleven grand? If you knew that for the next six months, that's food on your fucking table. Damn. That, that is the war we're fighting. If, if someone offered to give you $22,000 to dig a hole and put a bomb in it, and you don't have a job, do you think you would do it? I know I probably would if I was that fucking poor. Damn. I, and I grew up poor. I know I would do it. And that's the same thing. So even if you get the guys that are blowing you up, they're not the real bad guys. It's the guy who paid them to do it. Damn, Damn. that's some hard thought. And that is the, right, and that's the conundrum of modern warfare today. Yeah. 
is that so yeah yeah because they also know like these terrorists no standing military can actually take on the u.s we have our our military is 20 times bigger than whatever than the next 20 countries combined it's uh, it's huge and we have the best training we have all the weapons all the money all the gadgets there's no way a standing military can face off against the u.s right now or at least there's no way afghanistan can do it that's the other thing about the u.s military right Mm -hmm. now everyone talks about how it's the greatest military and blah 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 uh and maybe but that also takes a lot of um, foresight to be on the edge and, and to be ahead of everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I think that America and the American military have become so um, confident in their abilities that they're overconfident. I can't remember. I think it's called, ah, I cannot remember the name of it now, but it was General Von Van Riper or Von Riper. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Millennium Challenge which was in 2002, maybe go look into that. But the bottom line is that they had the millennium challenge. It was the, it was a, a joint operation training exercise. It was the first one. So the Navy army Marines and air force were all coordinating together. Yeah. And they had an, uh, op force, which is the, uh, the, the bad guys. So they, they had this Marine general, general Von Riper or Van Riper. Yeah. Um, he, he played the bad guys and he had his little cell of bad guys. They were all Marines and they came up with their plan. And within the first 24 hours, his platoon size element, um, completely destroyed and defeated the U S military forces with like sticks and stones and shit. And just, he had them, he, he sank in the exercise four or five Navy cruisers, and destroyed like br- brigades. Wow! Within the first twenty-four hours, they did a reset, and he was like, "Are you kidding me? We did this with nothing. This the, the and <clears throat> they reset the rules of that exercise so that no matter what, the U.S. military wins. Mm. So they didn't actually do it for learning; they did it to make a press statement that the U.S. military always wins. But that's not the case. Yeah." Because <clears throat> if one man can go out there with a platoon of 30 guys with nothing but some rifles and destroy superior military forces that we already command, dude, I fully believe that some Afghan can do it too. Because the Afghans have been at war for thousands of years and have never been defeated. Yeah. There were some battles that we had in Afghanistan that were the they were battles that happened in the exact same place where Russian forces were destroyed and forced to retreat. Yeah. They did the exact same strategies, exact same tactics at the exact same spots and destroyed U.S. military forces 25, 30 years later. Yeah. Like, it's not about technology. It's not about who has the best training. It's about who can think the best strategically and who can do the most destruction like that. And I don't believe the U S military is that as capable as people who have more to lose. So, so basically we're an overcompetent, overconfident empire depending on our death star. And (laughs) right. Right. That's where we believe that man. When, when the prequel trilogy came out, uh, 
dude, I was convinced that, that Dick Cheney was either Darth Vader or the Emperor. I couldn't figure out which one. And I'm still convinced because that dude won't die. It had to, it had it had to be the Emperor. I think I, well I think I don't I mean I'll go with Darth Vader because he's got that breathing device now and Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, I would agree with that. I think Dick Cheney, if Dick Cheney, because he was this sort of enforcer type figure, he would sort of remind me of a a Grand Admiral Thrawn, but just like in a, not in an original trilogy pretext, but like, he's just an enforcer. Dude's a straight strategic, you know. It's crazy if you even think about it. Like the concept of Dick Cheney being vice president, he was an arms arms and weapons manufacturer, developer, and distributor and like his 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 whole business model was war. He made millions and billions off of wars, and it's not just from the arms and weapons. There are other subsidiary, uh, I want to say, institutions or or businesses that that have to ex- and only exist in the context of war. Yeah. When when I went to Iraq for the first time um, it blew my mind when you get onto a military base there they had and and this is the the great American scam you had all these services you had laundry service on base you had buses that would drive you from place to place on the base you had the radio station that they had going which was of course state owned media the the military whatever whatever the media was yeah you had uh either the chow hall you had the ch- everyone had a chow hall on the base but they also had like these businesses little bazaars set up with local people you could get like hookahs or or robes or whatever right you know right random local shit plus you get your little like two dollar dvd for a movie that just came into theaters yeah not that great but hey uh something Right, it's something. But you had all these things, and, and when I began to look at it, it, the amount of money that goes into just operating and maintaining a forward operating base is incredible. Like, they have concrete barriers that they sell to Iraq that Iraq then puts up around the bases and stuff. And it's, it's really shady the way they work things. Um, because, like... Th- there are certain contracts. You have, there's bidding contracts you have to get to operate on these bases. Yeah. And so, like, the, the main one that had it for a long time was KBR, Caleb Brown and Root, which was a former subsidiary of, um, shit, Dick Cheney's company, Halliburton. So Halliburton started KBR. KBR had all the contracts for all the bases in Iraq when I was there. Yeah. And uh, there's also security contractors. There were some, a lot of Ugandan security contractors. But um, the thing that I noticed, I ended up talking to one of the, the individuals who worked on the bus route. Originally, when the U.S. came in, they put a bunch of bases up and they did all these things. They did the bidding and it was all Americans. So they had American bus drivers, Americans running the, the laundry facility, the chow facility, Americans in charge of the, the little bazaar, Americans 
you know, American citizens running this stuff. Yeah. So that's how they put the original bid in. Yeah. And for two years, that's how it worked. After those initial two years were up, they let all the American contractors go except for the American supervisors. And then they hired either third country nationals or uh, local nationals. Yeah. And for a fraction of what it would cost to employ an American there. Mm-hmm. But the contracts with the, the Iraqi government were for still just as much money. Right. So they cut out all this labor force and all the money just flowed right to the top. It was just another scam. Dang. And here's the bigger part of the scam. The U.S. government will loan the Iraqi government money. The Iraqi government will take this money at an outrageous interest rate and buy all the stuff that they need for these military operations, and they will pay American companies and American contractors. Yeah. And then those American companies will pay pennies on the dollar the labor that they need from the the, the throwaways, the local nationals, or the third country nationals, yeah. and then all the money just is the top. So Iraq is the one indebted for all this money that's being made to build these bases that really don't need to be built as big or as as technological as they are or yeah. that have unneeded services that are just an overcharge. Like yeah. it's indebting all the people of Iraq to this huge tax that they're now going to have to pay. Yeah. So that American contractors can get a fat check basically from America. Dang. It's, it's a real, real shady workaround. So either way, somebody's going to make some money. Oh, yeah, dude. In Vietnam, that's the other thing. In Vietnam, the company that did all that stuff on the basis was Halliburton. That's why KBR did it so well. Because Dick Cheney was the one in charge when, when, when it was happening in Vietnam. They did the same thing in Vietnam. Yeah. And so, except, you know, we pulled out and lost that war. But we never talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's very reminiscent. It it's very reminiscent of like I know a lot of people hate The Last Jedi, but it's very don't it's one of the positive points of that movie. It kind of reminds me of um uh Benicio del Benicio del Toro's character talking about how, you know, there are no winning sides in this war. It's all about profit. They're making mm-hmm. money, whether it's selling X Wings to the to the resistance or TIE fighters to the Empire manufacturing those. People are making money. Oh on, yeah, on both sides of the ordeal, Rose and uh, Rose and uh, Finn looking out at all the the rich people and wondering like, why the heck are they celebrate? Like, do they not know we're in a war right now? Like, no, absolutely not. They're making money. They're hella rich and they don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, and, yeah, they don't care and they don't have any skin in the game. Yeah, war and I, I heard this. I mean, this is an old old saying, but like, war is is poor young men going to fight for rich old men. Yeah. And and let's be, I mean, especially in the American military, like, oh, man, it's it's designed to go after poor kids. The reason they got rid of, of the draft wasn't for any moral or ethical reason. It was the military industrial complex figuring a workaround to continue to be an imperial uh, endeavor. If you yeah. don't have a draft, then you can't force people to join. If you don't force people to join, everyone's doing it of their own volition. Therefore, 
no one has to protest because everyone's doing it of their own consent. Yeah. But, but I don't think it's consensual because, um, uh, poverty and starvation are, are hella big factors in why people enlist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, I, I never would have joined the military if I would have had money or been wealthy. I was poor and I was out of a job. Yeah. And, you know, I had a little bit of patriotism. I was far more of a patriot before I joined than after. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if you want to look at the data and think, oh, well, who's going to join the military? You Look at income. That's how you can determine. If they're poor, they're probably going to join. And, and they're, they're in there, yeah. Able, yeah, they're probably going to join. Yeah. Hell, it got me out. It was a, it was a, a one-way ticket to the middle class. Yeah. But I don't know, man. I feel like the Republic's crumbling now. So what do you do, you know? What do you do? You just sit back and, you know, everyone's cheering. You know, oh, yeah, we got censorship. Yay. Yeah. You know, every Everyone's, you know, cheering about that. You know, how does liberty die? With thunderous applause. Absolutely. That as, was one as, of the most. That's Padme would say. Oh my god, that was one of the most compelling scenes of of any movie ever. Was when when yeah, Padme said that at the uh, Galactic Senate. Yeah, like that is very. Oh, it was a very powerful scene. Yeah, it really was. I mean, you got. I think Anakin would be that representation of the hand of a country doing all this dirty work behind the scenes, slaughtering their enemies' best interest or not, mm-hmm. and then in public we're just applauding it but we have no idea what evil is going on behind the scenes we have no freaking clue right you know what i'm saying and nobody's questioning it at all you know and and it's it's i don't know man it's just it's just one of those things that you we're just gonna have to sit back and and watch because it it absolutely it's absolute craziness it makes no sense for well and i think it goes to like the road to hell is paved with good intentions yeah no one thinks they're the bad guy no yeah. one no one ever envisions themselves as the bad guy right well you always look at yourself in the best light and yeah. uh it's it's oh man on, on the last i think season of, of star wars rebels i think it was a very poignant point that uh yoda put out was that uh, <clears throat> the dark side clouds everything, which is of course like you know the emperors. There was well, not the emperor yet. Blah blah blah. But yeah, the Jedi even succumbed to the dark side. They were Yoda was like I succumbed to the dark side because of my fear. I let it control me instead of trying to find the you know the right answers, the real answers. And so, right. Um, I don't know. I hope it's not indicative of what's actually going to happen, but. Uh, art, art reflects reality, and reality reflects art. Like, yeah, we don't live in a vacuum, and uh, the American Republic or the American Empire, however you look at it, can't last forever. No, nothing does. So, yeah. what's next? Because uh, it's either it's gonna, it's either we can it can go down that way, or mm-hmm. it, can it can go a, down. It can, it can a, go down in a. It can what be slow saying? too. It can be a slow, innocuous, yeah. uneventful thing, and or it can be real fast. Like here, here's one thing that would effectively 
kill a lot of Americans and, and destroy a lot of what we take for granted uh, in, in a single instant. Right now, the U.S. dollar, the greenback, is the world reserve currency. Yeah. And I think for the time being, we, we own seven, 70 to 80% of the seats in the World Bank. So for the time being, that's fine. That's not going to change. But the dollar is yeah. not as strong as it used to be. And there are many other currencies that, that outpace it. And if the World Bank decides we need a new reserve currency, then the dollar is going to lose value, massive value, instantly and overnight. Yeah. So that's the one that, and I think that that's eventually going to happen. I think they're going to change the world reserve currency. And I think that's something people need to think about and be aware of because if you're just stuck with all your dollars and then your dollars are worth nothing the next day or worth pennies, because now for a thousand bucks, you can get a loaf of bread. Well, that's, that's not any good. Yeah. So it's not any good. something people need to think about and prepare for. Yeah. I pray that doesn't happen. I pray right. it does not. We got to people. I think there, there's got to be some changes made. Oh yeah. I think so too. I just don't know. <sighs> I don't think public service or civil servants or the government is going to be a yeah. solution because again, they are controlled by their, their corporate donors. Yeah. Corporations own everything. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's gonna. It's gonna take a battle of a uh, battle of indoor for uh, some change. <laughs> yeah, especially on the corporate side, man. Right, and I think that's the thing that people. Um, there's a way to fight that, but it takes collective action. And I, uh, not that I don't believe in collective action, I just don't believe people can work together well enough with collective action to make it happen. Yeah, because everybody wants to have ego and everybody wants the credit. And at the end of the day, like everyone needs to incorporate themselves. Yeah. And use the power of the corporation for your benefit rather than for the benefit of you making minimum wage working for a corporation. And again, it takes yeah. money to start a corporation. It takes three, four hundred dollars to file the paperwork. Not everybody yeah. has three, four hundred dollars. But yeah, that's the only way that people are going to be able to fight it is by incorporating themselves and collectively working together for better pay, whether it's 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 going to have to come from business ownership, people starting their own businesses. Uh, yeah. When America is at its greatest economically is when micro businesses um, are are and small businesses are. I guess, in great supply. Right now, the U.S. has the lowest rate of, of small-owned businesses that it's ever had. Yeah. And 92% uh, of businesses that operate in the United States are micro-businesses with three or four employees or less. Yeah. And in, in little places all over the place. But, yeah, so people need to start launching their own businesses because no one's, no one's going to pay you more. No one in any executive position cares about you or me. So it's up to you and me to figure out how to make that happen because, you know, yeah. if, if, if you can't wait, no one in this corporate world is going to jump out to help people. It's going to be real people from the real world 
who are looking out for themselves and their community. Yeah. So it just depends on how big you define your community as. Is your community all poor people who are suffering or just the ones you know around you or so on? Yeah. There's a lot of questions to be answered, and I don't have the answer to them. Yeah. I feel you on that. Yeah. I feel you. We're just going to have to wait and find out. Yeah. Just keep trying. Make a vision of your own. And when you make it, uh, put your hand back and help somebody else get up ahead, too. Hell yeah. Don't ignore them. That's one of the biggest things. Like, uh, yeah, when I, when I moved away from home, I was always like, if I make it, I want to come back and help my people. And yeah. I have done that to an extent, but I'm trying to figure out more to do. Because, yeah. you know, the work's never done. You got to build your own community and you've got to work hard to make it a lasting community that has impact. Right. That's true. I agree with that. I agree yeah. with that totally, man. Got to put in the work. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's exactly why I'm doing this podcast right now. I'm like, yeah, I could go to, I could attend this virtual work meeting, but at the end of the day, working there the rest of my life is not my end goal. Right. right. Sitting, sitting down, talking about Star Wars and Marvel in DC is, you know what I'm saying? So I'd rather invest my time doing that so that I can get to where I need to go. Cause once I get there, I'll be able to help someone else, you know, with get to their goal, you know, if they want to do the same thing or something else. Absolutely, man. And I really admire and respect what you're doing with your, your show and your passion for it. It's, uh, it's, it's good, man. I like what I listen to. I don't listen to every episode because you put out like, you put out I put a lot out. of stuff, dude. Yeah, it's, it's a lot, man. It's a yeah. lot. <laughs> but uh, no, I like what you're doing. It's informative, it's in, in, in entertaining, and, uh, it's deep. It's philosophical on some levels. So I like it, man. I really appreciate what you do. That, hum- that, that, hum- that humbles me, bro. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, I did. It makes it, it makes it all the more fun. Just like talking to people like you and talking to, you know, just hearing all these different perspectives and getting different, you know, views on everything. And, you know, cause I, you know, I'm only, I'm only one person, but my real my my passion and my love for the game is to just sit if i can sit down with people and just like talk about this stuff 24 7 i would do it in a heartbeat getting paid or not right you know right what I'm saying? And, and that's just you know to have meaningful conversation and discourse with people is the end goal so that everyone can grow we can all learn from each other learn something walk out of it with a different perspective you know because everyone's walled up in their own individual opinion and this is this this is final but you never care to like sit down and talk about it with somebody else to see you know what they might be seeing that might be different from your different from you yeah yeah no and uh yeah i like that i appreciate what you put out man it's a great product I appreciate it, man. Well, thank you so much, bro, for joining on this episode. This is this is probably the most deepest episode I've I've done concerning Star Wars. Probably the deepest. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, bro. Appreciate you um as always for coming on, bro. Thank you. Absolutely, man. Anytime. Anytime. Yeah, we're gonna throw we're gonna run it back a third time. We got to. That's for sure, man. That's for sure. Well, um, thanks everyone for tuning in. For everyone who's gonna tune in later. 
This is J House Podcast Radio. Follow Lord Swarmy Pants on Vero True Social at Lord Swarmy Pants. Are you still on Twitter? You still? On I Twitter, have right? a Twitter, but it just says only on Vero. I mean, you can follow me there, but I don't really like to use it because drama. Because drama. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Well, follow him on Twitter if you can, Lord Swarmy Pants as well. Uh, follow J House Comics on Vero True Social at J House Comics Twitter as well at the same handle. And we'll catch you guys later, man. You guys have a blessed, blessed Wednesday. Peace. Peace. Thank you for joining. This has been another edition of J House Radio.